from ESPN, Brian Windhorst, who joined us on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. How are you? Good. Um, this uh, this Boston involvement, uh, you know, and we, we've got an offer. We've got reports of a counter. Uh, how nervous do you think that should make Phoenix Suns fans who are really still holding out hope that Kevin Durant lands in Phoenix? I don't think the talks are active. I think that was discussed a couple of weeks ago. I don't think the Nets... Um, you know, I mean, I don't have, uh, I'm not tapping their phone lines, so I don't exactly know what's <laughs> happening at this very second. But I don't think the Nets are involved in active talks right now. Um, you know, I, I think as Suns fans who have shown any interest in this know, there's a very limited number of um, of uh, star players that the, at least young star players, that the, that the Nets can trade for because of Ben Simmons' existence on the roster, because of the rule about not having two of those um, max rookie contracts. So Jalen Brown is one of the, you know, star players out there who's, you know, not on his rookie deal, you know, you know not John ja Morant, for example, um, who uh, who would be, he would fit that bill. So, um I know that it came out today, so it's in front of mind. But um, from what I understand, those are not fresh talks. Brian, Vinny and I, we we obviously don't have the breadth of NBA sources that you do. We each have different people, though, describing Kevin Durant's feelings about Phoenix as a borderline obsession in terms of wanting to play with Devin Booker and being part of whatever he perceives this to be. At the end of it all, how much is it going to matter what Kevin Durant wants in this whole deal? Probably not that much because you guys, you know, it's, you know, I know that there's a lot of nuance in here and you really have to be either, you know, involved with the NBA or really be a dedicated fan to understand this. And I get that. Um, This is a different trade request than the dozen or so we've seen over the last decade because uh, Durant has four years left on his contract. That means that his leverage in this situation is just, it's not the same that it was with Paul George or Anthony Davis, um, you know, name your star who only had a year or a year and change left on their contract. Um, Even Chris Paul, when Chris Paul guided his way to the Suns, his contract enabled him to have some measure of leverage. It's just not the same. And so there's really not a precedent for it where you have a player of this level without the leverage of his contract. Because obviously if a player has one year on his contract um, and he's trying to force a trade, a team is not going to you know, give a huge amount for him if he may leave after a year. The classic example of that being Kawhi Leonard. Um, ultimately, the Spurs took the best deal on the table. It wasn't a very good deal, all told, and Ka- because Kawhi was threatening to walk after a year and go to L.A. Guess what happened? He walked after <laughs> a year and went to L.A. Yep. So it's just not going to be the same. And so really what you have here is this. And by the way, if, there, if the shoes were on the opposite foot, if, if Kevin Durant was a son and had four years on his contract and was asking the Suns for a trade, the Suns fans would want the same thing. They are they're going to ask for a massive price for mm-hmm. him. So just think about life in general. Think about if anything is on sale for more than anybody wants to pay. If it's a house, if it's a car, if it's a painting. What happens to that item that's, that's more expensive than anybody wants to pay? Either one, it lingers on the market and nobody buys it and it sits there. Or two, you lower the price, right? 
And right now, the Nets are not lowering the price. And so, therefore, Durant, even though he's extremely valuable, even though that vintage Bugatti that was found in a barn in England is <laughs> very valuable, nobody wants to pay the price that's there for it, especially yeah. if you're a team like the Suns and you are wagering that eventually the price will come down, which sure. is what the league is doing right now. Brian Windhorst from ESPN, our guest here on the 72 Sold Sports Line. There's no way of knowing, but you've got so much information on this. You just broke it down very, very succinctly for us. Uh, but as you view this right now, do you think this is a situation with Kevin Durant that is wrapped up by opening night, or do you think this drags on into the regular season and beyond? I don't know. As of right now, I think it's the Nets position that I think they're going to – I think they can't get their price, so I think they're hoping to – have Kevin want to come back? What we don't know is how Kevin feels about that. Kevin is tweeting about all kinds of things, but he is not, uh, you know, expounding on what his feelings are. He was the one who started this when he asked for the trade. And they they don't have a trade that they like. And by the way, if you're the Suns, you have a, a 64-win team. Now, you could make the argument to me, and I'm sure the Suns have done this internally, that maybe they weren't really a 64-win team. Maybe their incredible, breathtaking play in the clutch maybe inflated their record that if you ran that season four or five times over, that 64 wins was maybe the best they could do. You know, you could argue that maybe that they aren't as good as maybe their record said, and we certainly kind of saw that play out in the playoffs. And you could argue that they need more uh, to be a championship team. Those are fair arguments, but they have a very good team. And if their alternative is they're not going to pay a price that potentially leaves them a lesser team on the other side and they're going to try to win it again next year, that's not an unreasonable position for them to take. And it's certainly not an unreasonable position for them to take is a negotiating stance. And so pretty much anything you hear until a deal is done, in my view, is a negotiating stance. And so right now the Nets' viewpoint is that they're going to probably – you know, if they can't get their price, they're just gonna they're gonna ride out the storm, and that could actually happen. And we could start the season with Durant as a net, or that could be a negotiating stance. Yeah. What did you think of Adam Silver coming out publicly and, and, and not only saying he doesn't like players making trade d- demands and, and putting organizations and franchises in this kind of position like Kevin Durant is with Brooklyn, and that he wanted to make it part of the NBA agenda in upcoming labor negotiations? Is there anything you can do? Did that signal anything to you that this, that this particular issue has, has raised or reached critical mass with the commissioner? I think the horse is out of the barn, down the street, <laughs> onto a truck, across the country, and sipping Mai Tais. Yeah, in a national park. <laughs> That's excellent. I mean, I will say, I mean, the commissioner has more power to do something than any other single entity. You know, recently, I think maybe in the same remarks, Adam Silver said he wanted the uh, age limit to be back to 18 in the next CBA. I think you can... You can wager there's a good chance of that happening. But I just think, um, you know, they have allowed this to go on. Um, You know, they've put certain guardrails into the system. And right now we're having a guardrail tested because Durant signed a four-year contract extension. They were the reason that they put – the extension that Durant signed was not previously allowed under the previous 
uh, uh, CBA. In this version of the CBA, what Durant did was put in there, and it was put in there for this exact reason, so that a team could never get to the last year of a player's contract, that they could extend the guy and keep him locked down for long stretches, that they would never reach that pinch point. So in a way, the re- what's keeping Durant and Brooklyn right now, that contract extension that he signed, is a version of the system quote-unquote working. So if Durant can defeat that with pressure, which maybe he will, maybe he won't, um, that would potentially be a referendum on where the league is. Brian Windhorst, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Before we let you go, there's been rumblings recently, Brian, about uh, you know a handful of teams. Utah, the Knicks, Indiana may be interested in, in Russell Westbrook. Uh, how do you size up those rumors and the chances of the Lakers being able to uh, unload him this offseason? I, don't, I think Russell Westbrook's only value right now is as an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's is something for the, the Lakers to use to take somebody else's salary on. And so, you know, I do think there's potentially a deal there to be done with a team like Indiana. Indiana obviously missed out on DeAndre Ayton. So they have this $30 million in salary cap space that they've got there. So, okay, there's no $30 million player to sign anymore. So how do they use that space effectively? How do they, um, you know, basically sell that for something of value. And so basically they're willing to talk to the Lakers. We'll, we'll sell the space to you, uh, Lakers, but you're going to pay us for it. You can't have it for free. And so that's what Westbrook's uh, role is here. And I, you know, his agent, Thad Fauche, I mean, I've never quite seen like a statement like he released um, when he, when he announced that he had, he and Westbrook had stopped uh, getting together. What, what he essentially said in that statement was that if Westbrook was traded, he would be released, and he wasn't 100% sure where Westbrook would land, if there would be anybody who would want to give him even the role that the Lakers are trying to give him right now. He, what he was basically saying is, I have told Russell, stay with the Lakers and play the role that they're offering you, which is to start and sort of be a supporting player but not a leading player, because that role doesn't exist out there as if you're a free agent. And I think that Russ should listen to his agent's advice because he knows. Um, and I think what, what that underscores is if nobody wants Russell Westbrook as a player, uh, the only way you're getting rid of him is by trading him uh, with, with draft picks attached. And if you're the Lakers, you have to decide whether maybe mildly upgrading your roster is worth sacrificing your future. It's a very difficult to position, especially when you have a 37-year-old LeBron James on your roster. Yeah, Brian, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. 